it's Ross Payton with Roleplaying Public Radio. This is RPPR episode 167, Origins 2019 Wrap-Up. And with me is Burke and uh, Bridget, RPPR's most uh, uh, innovative hi. GM. So. Hi, everybody. <laughs> uh, so you've probably heard uh, some uh, of what happened at Origins with uh, on the Mix 6 and uh, Roleplaying Exchange. As we've already done sort of wrap-ups with them, but we're going to be talking about some different material here, um, and including a discussion of the new 6th edition Shadowrun uh, starter box, which has come out, and uh, Burke and Bridget have exhaustively analyzed it in excruciating mm-hmm. detail and can uh, ha- have produced very insightful reviews that we'll, we'll be talking about. Um and uh yeah I, i've already dug into one of the other rpgs like picked up at origins mothership and uh we, we'll talk about a couple other games uh but uh first off we have a bit of news uh rppr the rppr patreon has a new bonus podcast questing for answers uh we already have two episodes up and these this is a q a podcast where patrons can ask questions of the rppr cast and then uh, we answer them and uh it's been a lot of fun so far so if you're an rppr patreon uh we will and you have us questions for us about games or movies or music or whatever it is uh feel free to ask and uh we'll put a preview episode up on this feed later on uh so you can get a sense of what you're uh missing if you're not already a member of the rppr uh patreon and if you're at a ten dollar back or higher you can get to play games uh, run by the cast members like Bridget, for example, is running a game of Unknown Armies. Uh, so uh, you definitely want to check that out. Uh, yeah, and then it. the Q&A. If you want to ask me anything about Dagashi or how to run a Zyhunter game with absolutely no prep as the GM, <laughs> <laughs> yep. I got you covered. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. just participating. So like one thing that's really cool that's come out of the question for answers, it's just people asking questions on Discord that maybe don't make it into an episode but there's still like a lot of like really good discussion about them so it's been like a really nice side effect yeah the community yeah we have a question we do have the question channel on our the rppr uh patreon discord and i try to answer questions and other people have answered questions yeah there's been some really uh interesting discussion uh yeah if you just want to nerd out about about board games or tabletop games like this the discord in and of itself is just a kind of like a chill place like mm -hmm. if you just want to hang out and talk about random games yeah uh, but also, yeah, the for the Patreon, the bonus features, I really recommend if like you want to play games, but you're having a hard time getting a local group together. Um, it's fairly drop-in for, for RPPR games, um, run by, of course, RPPR staffers. So you get to hang out with us and play games and do none of the work because you get to be a, <laughs> a player. I really recommend it. Uh, yeah. So uh, check that out on our Patreon site. So, but... Uh, first off, we should, uh, you know, Origins 2019 was a lot of fun, uh, a lot of stuff to talk about, but of course, the biggest one of the, there weren't a lot of new releases for Origins, at least in the realm of RPGs, uh, Origins is more of a board game convention, uh, but certainly the biggest one was the, uh, starter box for 6th edition, uh, Shadowrun, uh, Burke and, uh, 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 was nice Bridget. enough to mail uh, uh, an extra copy to Bridget. Uh, cause, uh, and so they've both been able to tear into this. Uh, so tell us about what's happening in the uh, sixth edition of Shadowrun. Oh boy, tear in is definitely the word I'm going to use. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think it's interesting that they decided to release this starter box without even having the core set done. Like, 
So, yeah. like, you have everything you need to play Shadowrun, assuming the only thing you want to play is this one adventure with these four characters. Yeah, release dates are a hell of a thing, aren't they? Uh, you gotta... they, they sure are. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, um, yeah. Mm-hmm, yeah. Uh, so what is your overall impression of it? Like, is it worth? Uh, yeah, or <sighs> that doesn't. I think okay. I think if you're a fan of Shadowrun, like, and you want some cool Shadowrun stuff, and like maybe, like, you want to have a jumping off point to get people into Shadowrun without actually doing any kind of like work on an adventure, like it works out pretty well. I mean, you've got little playbooks you can hand out to people. Um, you've got a bunch of like a ton of dice. Um, the adventure itself is like really, really straightforward. Um, so like if you're just trying to get your group to play Shadowrun, like this box mm-hmm. is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you play a lot of tabletops on your own, like this box is a poster and some dice. Uh, the poster is an extra thing that I included in the package. Well, there's a second. There's a second poster inside. <laughs> okay, yeah. that's right. Yeah, there's the. Uh, yeah, Bert got me a bomb ass poster from the Bert booth, which is amazing. And there's a second, different one inside that includes a map of Seattle as it exists in Shadowrun. Uh, that's pretty like tight. A, it's like a four by six poster too. Mm-hmm. The one in the box is huge. Um, uh, and huge map. I think uh, I don't know. I don't know what the monetary cost of this box was, but I ultimately like it's none of the actual rules or content or like what's the value of it. There's some mm-hmm. cards in here that is serve as quick references, um, like equipment and things like that. So you don't need to dig through the book because like most people who play Shadowrun, like it's grindy as fuck as far as the <laughs> mechanics are concerned. So like mm-hmm. having little reminder cards for what all your shit does is, uh, pays more dividends than you think it would. Um, so yeah. instead of having to make like index cards for everybody, you get to hand them these cute little um, equipment cards, uh, and I think that enhances the value of this. But like, as far as like actual rules and stuff go, like this is that's not the point of the box set. I don't think. No, it's part of these. So just so you know, it's it was um twenty five at the con. Oh, so... well, that's cheaper. You get the poster, the dice, and the cards. Honestly. Yeah, so probably like 20 on Amazon or whatever. And I really think it's, I don't know if they're the first to do it, but I really remember this starting to be a thing with like fifth ed D&D mm-hmm. of um, a box. It's like 20 to 25 bucks kind of gets you started on the game. Because um, since then, like Edge of the Empire and all the Star Wars editions have had them. There's one for like Star Trek Adventures. There's one for Battletech. Um, I'm pretty so sure this is a lot. Yes. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure this is a long-standing technique. I know old editions of Dungeons and Dragons have these similar low price. Yeah, uh, box yeah. There's like the red like, box. Yeah, the red box. From like there. a marketing standpoint, like if you want to see if your group will play Shadowrun, but like you mm-hmm. don't want to actually invest in buying like a forty, fifty, sixty dollar book only to have mm-hmm. no one play it. Like, I think the starter kit is a really good idea. Like, mm-hmm. definitely, definitely, if you have the option, I would get the starter kit just to see if you even end up playing it. Because if you don't end up playing it, you still get the cool dice in the poster. And if you do end up playing it, you'll actually know if people will continue to play it for a campaign. Yeah. Right. Um, no, yeah. I think from a marketing standpoint, just to finish that off, um, looking, the core book is expected out in August. So I don't know if it's supposed to be at Gen Con. Like if, it, or if it's August, like, starter packs. yeah, if it's August, it's definitely going to be a Gen Con. There's no reason they would put it like a week out after Gen Con. <laughs> like, well, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
uh unless so unless there's some sort of you know uh incident or something or you know some sort of uh logistical problem that it'll it'll be a gen con it sounds like mm-hmm. um so yeah uh so it sounds like um ha- so have you been able to tell any differences between sixth ed and fifth ed uh shadowrun in terms of like um, game yeah we have a lot of honestly we have a lot of things to go over because mm-hmm. they tried to give you like a primer to like like tell you what, essentially what shadowrun is all about mm-hmm. um so one of the things is they included a new timeline and if you're familiar from going between versions of shadowruns like the timeline really <laughs> changes between <laughs> editions um and this mm-hmm. is like this isn't an exception. Like it kind of like every time there's a new timeline, it sort of rebuilds Shadowrun into all like the same like sort of key events, but like like big pieces move around, like big players move around, and sixth edition does that again. Mm-hmm. Um it really kind of seems like they like fifth edition really wanted to not be fourth edition, and sixth edition really doesn't want to be fifth edition. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Um there's like a couple new corporations that I, I don't remember seeing before um listed on the because they have the big 10 corporations and i only know like a few of these um so like the the normal big ones are there as technology aries renraku um that kind of thing but um i feel like spinrad is new uh i don't remember them and there's another one that's like uh in the timeline now as a big merger after some other company got busted Mm -hmm. and broke apart um yeah, it's so the mostly the ones they they detailed are like the the big um uh Zaibatsu corporations um mm-hmm. and then they added a couple new ones. Okay. So um yeah, I've never fo- followed Shadowrun between editions enough to know like, oh, they're changing all these events, but this seems to be like oh, this event that happened at this year now happened at this year and or it was done by these people instead of or- those people didn't happen or it was a smoke screen for something else or so that they, kind of thing. they just don't care like they they just like eh, every timeline is it's a, every every edition is its own timeline it's yeah it's like a marvel crisis on infinite shadow runs kind of thing <laughs> like like all the big players are vaguely the same personality and vaguely the same costume but like they kind of mm-hmm. like shift things around Corps eat mm-hmm. each other. Um, like if they feel like there's a redundant corp or corps that people didn't interact with, they sort of get like absorbed into other corporations and sort of like retconned into that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that Renraku, no matter what happens, is bulletproof because of the whole arcology disaster. Mm-hmm. Just thinking that, yeah, they're not going anywhere. Um, and everybody loves the arcology disaster. So like, but like, how many times the Matrix has crashed <laughs> changes between uh, uh, versions. Yeah, it wasn't fourth ed the edition that had introduced wireless things, and like fifth ed took that out and mm-hmm. said, "Oh, we had to crash the matrix. No more wireless things." Yeah, yeah, I I don't I don't know how many crashes they put in this, but like, yeah, it's there's there's they're set on two crashes. Um, wireless stuff is back. Oh, it is. Okay. Um, they added a new character, I think, to talk about that, but you probably have to wait because like they just mentioned a dude by name. Mm-hmm um that we don't really know anything about so i think it's going to be maybe something they expand on when they do like like a corpse splat book or something mm-hmm. so these th- still sound like relatively superficial changes to like the setting like it's still the same themes and kind of like right yeah, exactly you're, you're still shadow runner chummer and you know it's still the same themes yeah, and that there you, are none yeah yeah that there are no <laughs> themes yeah um <laughs> yeah um there's some 
<laughs> they made some stylistical dis- like so they included they included like a couple of um sample characters and that's kind of where i want to start mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. because like this will let us know a lot more about um where they plan to go with the rules and like what they think you should be doing with your characters um and it's fucking terrible <laughs> like um one of the things that they've never really done is like update. Okay, so Shadowrun is supposed to be cyberpunk, right? And so the mm-hmm. idea is that you're playing um essentially like counterculture or like revolutionary culture and like being cyberpunk it tends to borrow a lot from like queer themes, queer aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Um and Shadowrun is like the marketing business version of that where like everything is just like made into this like consumable like mainstream version of punk where it's like it's not it's not really punk. <laughs> and sure, like sure, the character, yeah, yeah. The character sheets like really, really reflect that. Like it's 2019. Um, they still have a sex field on the character sheets, which like feels out of place in a game where like body modding is like something that you could do at character creation. Mm-hmm. Um, so like we've been having this discussion around like Cyberpunk 2077 and things like that. And so like to have Shadowrun like still be an 80s game, like mm-hmm. <laughs> like 40 years later, like uh feels kind of terrible yeah it's kind of yeah there i I have noticed this sort of paleo future thing of like shadowrun looked like this when it first came out and it can never change it has to be this static image uh Mm -hmm. and certainly it's not limited to shadowrun for for sure but yeah uh when your whole thing is trying to be transgressive and like you know against mainstream society yeah that does seem a little like uh I don't know. Dissonant? Yeah, and if anything, like yeah. that's kind of the thing about Sixth Edition is it's sort of like trying to make itself go back to the roots of Shadowrun. So like mm-hmm. it's not trying to evolve or critique or advance Shadowrun at all. It's like it's definitely the we need to make Shadowrun profitable edition. So they're not taking <laughs> any risks, really. Okay. Yeah. Um yeah. at least in this, who knows what's in the core rule book, but like in terms of the characters they provide. Yeah, this mm-hmm. is a starter set, so maybe they don't want to. Uh, they're they're probably um, they were probably. Yeah, I'm really hoping that, that sheets are going to be different, or like uh, character creation is going to be a lot different, mm-hmm. um, yeah. because they include a new field, which like. So okay, so Shadowrun has the concept of metahumans, right? So mm-hmm. in, in, in aside from like humans, you've got elves and dwarves and orcs and um, and that kind of thing, and one of the the big like events in Shadowrun history is essentially like like Crystalnock, but for like orcs. Mm-hmm. Right? Like like the Night of Rage is like when like cops essentially tried to purge cities of metahumans. Mm-hmm. And um like obviously people fought back against that. So like trolls, orcs, those kind of characters are very much coded as people of color. Mm-hmm. And like that's sort of integral to the the like how Shadowrun works as an aesthetic and sh- how Shadowrun works as um like social commentary. Like in I want to say the fourth edition book, the, there's a line about um from Jack Point, which is like runners talking to each other, where someone says something like, uh, I don't understand why racism is a problem, uh, or like like metahuman based racism is a problem, because we had a dragon as president. So it really, it really <laughs> echoes that whole uh Obama is president, racism is dead sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I go into this to bring up the fact that they added an ethnicity field to the character's personal data 
And so the first character they introduce you to is Rude the Troll, whose ethnicity is just white. It just mm-hmm. says white. There's no... It, it doesn't even get into that at all. It's just It's just he's white. But he's like a white troll. So you're taking a character that suffers from a lot of disadvantages that are meant to mimic um, the experiences of like marginalized people. Mm-hmm. And then you take away all the marginalization because that's not fun. Yep. I guess. Huh, yeah, they never had that for 5th edition. Uh, nope. Wow. Yeah, they did. No, this is something new. So if you want to play a troll and you don't want to be black, you can do that now. <laughs> Mm, um so like that's yeah. that's super worrying for me because like if they're gonna make characters that way like i'm thinking about how like the rule book is gonna go down and the settings are gonna go down mm. and like the seattle nightlife books are gonna go down and i'm like really not looking forward to that yeah, yeah that was the other book so they had a couple other things for sale at at origins i did not get but like one of the books was literally just one of these like Seattle nightlife books and just like a paragraph about each part of the world. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. I didn't read enough detail to figure out anything else, but it looked boring. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, I appreciate the capsule review. Yeah. That's unfair, but like it it didn't really grab me and I don't know why they have like a world building book out before their core book, I guess. But yeah, um, I mean, uh, Bridget, I did see some of your. You did tweet, uh, uh, live tweet your unboxing of the uh, mm-hmm. uh, the Shadow Unbox. It's beautiful. Um, and you pointed out some things. The one thing that I keep thinking back to is sort of the paragraph of text uh, talking about what the point of being a Shadowrunner is, and it says sort of like uh, something along the lines of like, "Oh, if you're a Shadowrunner, you have to fight. You have to work for these corporations. But if you do really well, you get to be the corporations, which seems antithetical mm-hmm. to yeah. the game of Shadowrun because it's always about like the the Mister Johnson. The corporation will always betray you, so you have to like fight. You have to get revenge on them. Like that's the end game of every Shadowrun game I've ever been. Is like killing some corporate executive." Uh, mm-hmm. And now you're trying to be the corporate executive, so that seems um, a little peculiar. I guess does the rest of the text in the starter game sort of confirm that, or is that just sort of like we were rushed and we don't know what we were writing? <laughs> oh, I'm not I sure. I don't remember that coming up again. Yeah, but. I think I think what they're trying to to do is they want you. So, so the the theory is that like you're always going to be betrayed, but they're like in order to survive, like you have to team up with a corporation. So mm-hmm. essentially, you become in order to survive, you need to become an extend, expendable aspect to a corporation to fight other corporations. And I get that, like, th- like that's the dystopia part of Shadowrun is like like companies run the world, like companies are the most important political entities, like governments are not actors on a global level, um, and like even as far as like like the the um the imperial family of japan which like again is like something i feel like they should have approached a little bit more critically is its own corporation now um the shial the shiawase court so like i've i feel like they should have engaged with that and they decided they really didn't want to like it seems like um they're focusing on sort of like the pop action violence neon sort of thing like like the aesthetic of Shadowrun, but like without actually digging into anything it's like you you do a job you get shot at like somebody gets hurt and that's all the drama that they really want mm-hmm. 
So very much like a kind of a superficial action movie kind of aesthetic almost. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like they, they want you to be playing some kind of like, um, like summer blockbuster. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that is like, if you look at the majority, like chatter on video games and things that, well, it depends on the game. Uh, certainly the, the video games uh, uh, explore more complex themes, especially like the, the harebrained scheme games from a couple of years ago. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So um, in terms of other changes, uh, uh, have you noticed any changes with like game mechanics? Um, uh, mechanically it's, it's way better. You're still going to be rolling a fistful of D sixes. Like I want to say that the first, um, like example tests they show you, like the player rolls like twelve dice or something like that. So like mm-hmm. you're still playing Shadowrun. You still want to mm-hmm. buy a million D sixes to play this game. Yep. But at the same time, like the number of things you have to calculate to do something. Um, again, this is just this is just like the starter version. I, I assume there's like way more specialized rules or whatever in or optional rules. Yeah. In the actual game, but like yeah, like. They want you to roll a bunch of dice and then see if you succeed and like do as little math as possible. Um, but at the same time, there's five steps for doing a turn of combat. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. better. Um, the big thing I noticed is that um, I didn't play much fifth, but I noticed that it felt like they tried to um, like homogenize the rules. So Shadowrun is kind of famous for having many different modes of play depending on your character mm-hmm. where there's like traditional combat you know melee gunfire there's decking which is like you're hacking there's rigging which are like cyber drivers and then magic and as far back as like third edition those all had very very different rules like they were each kind of their own mini game and mm-hmm. this one at least feels like they tried to at least make them more similar mm-hmm. everything has its own like stat and like related skills to, to like make it exactly in line with um, how the combat rules work yeah and procedurally they compressed everything down where it can be described in in there's many more steps but roughly four steps of like determine your dice pool roll determine defense compare mm-hmm. um, so um at least in that regard it feels a lot simpler but i still think just intrinsically it's always going to be hard to combine like mm-hmm. rigging, decking, fighting, no matter how similarly they behave mechanically. They still don't solve that problem. Um, yeah, I think that Shadowrun has always meant to be played asynchronously. Like when you go into a place, the first thing you do is you shove your decker into a locker or a bathroom. <laughs> Uh-huh. Um, and they just sit there the entire run because you, you don't want them getting shot at. You don't want them actually shooting because right. they probably can't shoot a gun very well. Um, yep. Your face has probably taken up a bunch of um, samurai traits, or they too should be sitting in the bathroom in the, you know, like mm-hmm. um, your rigor, if ideally should not be on site at all. Like they should have automated <laughs> the, the getaway van to you. And so really it should be just the muscle on site. Um, the muscle and the wizard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like mm-hmm. that works out. Okay. Like if you understand that that's what Shadowrun wants you to do, but I feel like, um, it's more difficult to role play. And like, if you're the decker and you already got a bunch of good hacker roles at the beginning, like you just don't do things the rest of the mission. <laughs> just... Your goal is to hide and not die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It's interesting that, they, that, I mean, 
that hacking real life thing that 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 earlier cyberpunk games had the same problem and Shadowrun decided now nah, we'll keep that instead of solving that game design problem and then they've <laughs> it's never a feature yeah it's a, fe- a feature at this point it's what the it's what the like again the the Shadowrun came out in the 80s and then like this is its form and we will make incremental changes to it but we're not gonna like do anything too drastic so you can always recognize it as that same 1980s uh Shadowrun uh at least that's sort of the impression that i've gotten um and six of Ed seems to be keeping that tradition alive mm-hmm. um um yeah it, they the only thing that's simple easy straightforward and probably fun to play is a is a street samurai because like magic still sucks you mm-hmm. still have to deal with drain you still have to like deal with sorcery like tests like you still like have to do all this bullshit just to cast your magic and then like it's just it's just not good. Yeah, like magic is always there. useful as an enemy ability and not really as a player ability and they didn't change that for this for this version. Well, I remember in third ed it was more like magic characters were more the utility characters that could, you know, heal you quickly or like get magical get information magically or, you know, things like that, but not like yeah, the, the you still needed the street samurai to actually be the combat monster. Uh, mm-hmm. because yeah, guns just you pull the trigger and they work. They don't kill you if you roll poorly. Um, uh, yeah. So, um, um, yeah, yeah uh, maybe that it's going to be in the core book too. Mm-hmm. Um, they mostly just in, um, included combat spells in this particular version because okay. like the adventure is basically entirely themed around combat with like a little bit of, of like social things. Like I, I think they definitely want to get you rolling dice and, and watching numbers. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so how is the adventure in terms of its uh, setup? It's okay. Um, <laughs> they've, I really kind of hate, like, I'm not from like an aesthetic level and from like a metal level. I kind of hate it mm-hmm. okay. because they called it battle Royale. And like, mm. it's nice to know that after everyone is finally done making battle Royale video games, Shadowrun <laughs> has made a battle Royale adventure. Ooh. <laughs> Oof. Oh, what are the kids into these days? The Fortnite? Yeah, we'll just do a Fortnite thing, says the guy chomping the cigar at the Shadowrun office. Mm-hmm. Um, I assume that's exactly how it t- uh, happened. Um, so is it really you're just like fighting other teams and trying to survive? or is it- Yeah, like you, you yep. kind of end up in a slugging match with a bunch of other gangs and stuff. <laughs> well, I mean... Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you want to uh, showcase a system, combat's usually the way to do it. Um, mm-hmm. right. um, yeah. It kind of has the same setup as uh, like the Warriors, where like like oh, gang okay. territory is sacred, and if mm-hmm. people are off their block, like it, it starts an impromptu war, mm-hmm. and that that's sort of how it goes down. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I was I was gonna say, you know, basing your first adventure off the newscaster fight in Anchorman is perfectly in line with Shadowrun never leaving the early two thousands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um mm-hmm. interesting so um so basically can, it sounds like if course, you're a shadow you're fan, good at- uh if you're a shadow fan this is something worth getting uh or if you're on the fence about it but uh it's not a b- must buy for everyone mm-hmm. uh definitely yeah. feels like style over like the art in this is like really really pretty mm-hmm. um there's some cool there's like an elf wearing like a leather one piece with like some jeans over it. And that's amazing. And I wonder what her number is, but like the actual like rules themselves, like I really want to see the core 
book because like this this isn't inspiring me like really you know what i mean mm-hmm. yeah. uh, uh you know i think if you're even remotely curious about Shadowrun, it's hard to do better for the price point mm-hmm. if you want to try to get into it um but there's probably games that do it better these days i think is yeah. my, my big issue is if you want to do like cyberpunk heist Mm-hmm. There's Blades Hacks and uh, other PBTA games that are probably mm-hmm. better now in 2019. And you're also not going to get like any replay value out of it. It's just the one scenario, and then there's not really a whole lot else you can do because you know you don't. Yeah, it's very hard to do another scenario with what. They- yeah, uh, it's really just like dipping your toes into Shadowrun, um, like really seeing like, can my group play this? Will we? Will we like it? Mm-hmm. Uh, and if if that's what you need, like this is a really good product for it. But like if you are thinking about running a campaign, and like you know ahead of time you're going to want to run a campaign, like or if you like really want to play serious cyberpunk, like this is not a product you should purchase. Okay, uh, very good review. Thank you. Uh, and I, w- get- I want to talk about the dice real quick. Oh sure, yeah. Thematically, <laughs> really cool. Usability, fucking terrible. And why is there that? are so many conflicting symbols and images on this? And like, so yeah, the numbers are like, like down in the corner. Yeah, it's <laughs> supposed to be the thing that matters is five sixes and ones. So like ones are skulls, and fives and sixes have the shadow run like dragon symbol thing on it. Mm-hmm. But like, if you're gonna do it that way, why wouldn't you have two threes and fours just be like blank faces? And so like, maybe they wanted people to be able to use them for other things, and it's just they're a mess like when you roll them you have to really look at them to see like what you rolled Jeez. <laughs> uh it's it's not good like they're pretty but it's i can't imagine using them for anything other than the novelty of like my dice are shadow run themed <laughs> yeah yeah uh yeah if you're trying to cosplay a shadow runner you're like i've got my dice uh, uh yeah, yeah well then you would want to buy seven um of the shadow run uh beginners packs so that you could have enough dice to really cosplay a shadow runner hey um mm-hmm. how many comes in a box 12 uh, it's like 12 yeah 12. yeah okay yeah some boxes worth sounds about right uh so, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it's not enough for one player yeah like. yeah it's it's not <laughs> enough for one player <laughs> shadow run it uses a lot um all right, cool. Well, any any other uh, bits about the the intro box? No. Okay. No. Uh, yeah, poster's rad. I I think the poster in, in the inside is cool. Cool. Yeah. I like the, the design art. is really cool. Yeah. 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 All right. The cover is this like like um orc with a samurai sword like jumping at um one of those crawler tanks from uh Ghost in the Shell, and mm-hmm. so it's harder it's hard to get like a hyper picture than that. Like if you show that to your friends and they're like, eh, "I don't want to play this game," then like you can probably just hold off. <laughs> if you don't think that's rad, you're not going to like Shadowrun. Yeah, no, good point, good point, good point. Um, so when we get back, we'll talk about uh, Origins 2019. <laughs> And uh, we're back. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, we'll be talking about Origins 2019 because Burke and I both went uh, and we had a, a very mm-hmm. fun time. Um, so really, uh, it was a very board game focused com, but we did have some fun role playing game experiences um, in terms of uh, and of course, 
as you mentioned earlier, uh, they, we'll put links to the role-playing exchange uh, origins ra- uh, wrap-up episode and, of course, the Mix 6 uh, episode where we talk about or- uh, origins. Uh, so you can hear if you want to get all the deets on all the board games we played and what they're like, uh, the, that would be the place. But we didn't really talk about RPGs. And there was uh, actually one board game that we didn't really talk about on there uh, that Burke and I played, and that was the Aliens board game. Um, yes. And that was the only ticketed event I did uh, turn. Yep. Uh, well, technically, I, I paid for another event, but I left like 10 minutes afterwards because it was <laughs> not <laughs> fun. It was, yeah. it was a war game in the like walk up. Yeah. Are you guys playing? Yep. Here's my generics. Okay. Sit around for 10 minutes. Oh, we're still doing enemy, please. Yeah. Uh, it, was <laughs> like, a mega, oh, okay. it was a mega battle, and it was like, oh, God, this is going to take forever. Um, yeah. And they, yep. All right. Bye. We'll, we'll <laughs> Bye. be back. Yeah. Uh, but the one board game we did play that we actually did participate in uh, was fun. Uh, it was the Aliens mm-hmm. board game. Uh, I think that was put out by Gale Force 9. Uh, that was at their booth. So. Yeah. And this is a something that has been kickstarted, uh, I believe, or is being kickstarted. Um, let me just. What know. isn't these days? Yeah, no. Yeah, right. Especially licensed games. Um, it's on know. board game, so I don't. Uh, yeah, um, that's not the right one. That's called Nemesis. Um, <laughs> Gale Force Nine, for real. Uh, anyways, we it's a um, one of these story focused sort of board games. It's really much focused on um, uh, recreating the movie Aliens, and uh, it's called Aliens: Another Glorious Day in the Core, cooperative mm-hmm. survival game. Uh, I don't actually, I don't think it was uh, Kickstarter. It just says you could pre-order it. So, yeah, that's weird. The guy kept talking about a Kickstarter, but I could not find any. Yeah, uh, I'm, I I can understand why you'd be confused, even if you do work for them, uh, <laughs> for the company that's yes. making it. Yeah. Um, so in this game, you are uh, you choose a character from one of the cast of the movie, uh, you know, one of the Marines uh, or Ripley, uh, and later on you can get Newt, um, and you there are different scenarios you work through that progressing through the movies uh we did the the opening one which is rescuing newt um Mm -hmm. and you get to choose your equipment at the beginning of the um game Uh, yeah yeah so everyone plays a marine from the movie you pick Mm -hmm. you know do you want to be hudson or hicks or frost yeah well there's also ripley too and ripley yeah. yeah And I bet that they they're one thing I did that they did. Well, say, you picked Vasquez, right? Yeah. Uh, someone Somebody picked Vasquez. Pick uh, I was Gorman. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, it's okay. There were five players, uh, not just us. So there were, um, I think, yeah, someone did pick Vasquez. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, Hudson was the only one that didn't get picked. Yeah. Um, and the it's basically like here's how much you get two you get two actions per turn. Um, you can move, you can shoot, you can interact with objects or use an item. Um, pretty, pretty basic. Um, and then there are radar blips that spawn on the map during the alien phase and they move towards players. And when they would get line of sight, you flip over the blip to see how many aliens are on there. And so you have multiple stacks of aliens. Um, and it's pretty it's a pretty straightforward you move you 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 talk with the other players to like set up you know overwatch 
basically like when the aliens come, I'll be able to shoot them. Because uh, you do get a defensive fire um, option, I believe. And mm-hmm. uh, the big the big threat is that your deck of cards, you have one deck uh, called the Endurance deck that has all your special abilities, your items, and also negative events. And um, to use, to shoot at enemies, you have to like discard cards from that. Um, and certain ability, well, discard means they're out of the game. They're, uh, they had another term to put them in the, the, well, uh, the other, do you remember what that other term was? Um, it was, um, exhausted. Yeah. Exhausted. Or, so if yeah. it's exhausted, it put, it, it goes in the exhausted pile and then you can eventually reshuffle that and make that the new deck. Uh, but if it's discarded, it's out of the game. And when you run entirely out of cards of the endurance deck, uh, then everyone loses. Uh, because I guess everyone's out of ammo. So, uh, it's, right. yeah. Um, I had fun with it. I, I, I don't know what I would, I would definitely play it if somebody had it available and it was something to do, but, mm-hmm. um, and the minis are definitely high quality. Uh, yes. but, uh, I wouldn't buy it unless you're a real big aliens fan. Cause it's, yeah, like it was, it was fine to play. Um, I'm really not into these board games that are just like recreating movies. Mm-hmm. Um, like that just not interest me. Like, well, honestly, I, I've actually seen several of these, and I've actually demoed some of them. Like I did demo Big Trouble in Little China, and like yeah. honestly, I like this one is one of the better implementations of a movie um, because mm-hmm. it's less complex. Like Big Trouble from Little China has a massive board that you can flip over. And every player character has special unique quests that they do. And it's just like, it's yep. very sprawling and time consuming. This one, you could do like a scenario in an hour or two hours. Yeah. I saw the big trouble demo and it was definitely unnecessary. Yeah. Um, I think just conceptually, like as a player, like just cause I like a movie doesn't mean I want to experience it as a board game Yeah, from like a medium standpoint. Yeah. Uh, it would have been more interesting if they had, made this so that like it was expanding on it or like it was a different planet with a different group of characters dealing with the aliens. Aliens has had yeah. 40 years of like comic books and world building. You can absolutely, if you want to do a colonial Marine game, mm-hmm. do it not on LV 40s and not just the movie. But on the other hand, like as a marketing thing, I get like, oh, yeah. you know, like people like the movie yeah. and so they'll buy it cause it's the movie. Uh, exactly even if it's a let even if it sacrifices gameplay quality uh Mm -hmm. for it so at least that that's sort of the impression i got for it so yeah i agree i think the only things that can make it interesting um maybe can't be captured in a single game Mm -hmm. so first of all i thought it was easy and at no point was it it never felt tense Mm -hmm. um so it definitely didn't capture any of that yeah yeah, and it was interesting because the guy who's running it said that like everyone else had failed up until that point, and I just don't see how. It's just baffling in, to me. Unless baffling. Yeah, the only way that could have happened is if the, if the guy, if the play, like it seemed like the guy was like letting the players not understand it. Like he would explain it once, and if they didn't get it, he would just like not explain it to them again. So like they just missed out on things that they could have done. Like that's the only way you could have mm-hmm. failed is if you just didn't take advantage of everything you you had access to. Like you didn't control the NPC grunt. You didn't like, oh well, oh we can hack this computer to gain additional information at no cost. We'll we'll have our little NPC grunt do that um, multiple mm-hmm. times. You know, if if you had any vaguely optimal strategy, you'd be fine. But like, if the guy running the demo didn't explain, like just let players do really dumb things then yeah, I guess that would be the only way you would lose. Yeah. So, um, 
And the other thing I was going to say is that, you know, maybe if you play through a campaign where your, your choices and your resources matter. So mm -hmm. if you have to maybe play each mission efficiently, yeah, if you like, if you, if carries over, yeah, if a character gets killed and like, then you don't get, they're just gone. Like mm -hmm. then that makes sense. Um, or they said they, they didn't mention like characters don't get killed, uh, unless they, you, unless the alien attack is really high, they just get captured. Um, yeah. in which, in which case you have to go and rescue them. Um, so that, that sounds interesting, certainly for a campaign play. Um, but I would hope that they would have like something, some variant missions, some things not based on the movie, um, yeah. or extrapolated from the movie. Cause, um, if you're just recreating sure, a movie, I could just watch the movie. Um, yeah, exactly. And I'm sure they'll sell expansion packs and stuff. Yeah, they did mention um, um one with Bishop and another with the power loader. So yeah. um uh, I think yeah. I, I think my other main issue with this, and um I, I get this a lot with board games that try mm -hmm. to be like narrative like this. Yeah. I'd rather just be playing a tabletop RPG, like no offense to board games. <sighs> yeah. But no. like I'd rather just be playing like a game where I can like role play and like, mm -hmm. talk to other people and have more freedom of action. Yeah. Um, I don't know. That's yeah. Just, you know. No, I mean, that's fair. I, I, I'm certainly the same way. I mean, I've played enough Arkham horror to never want to play it again. And yeah. Why would I uh, play like Arkham horror if I can just play? Yeah. Uh, any horror. Yeah. RPG. So. Um, I, I think this is going to be the kind of game where it's like longevity, like lives or dies by its ability to create fan content for it. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. cause you're definitely going to burn through scenarios probably faster than the company can put them out. Yeah. Well, I think, yeah. I think it's also like different expectations. I think there's a lot of, there are a lot of gamers out there who are a lot of players who, um, are uncomfortable playing role-playing games or, sure, uh, and so they would like the story based, uh, board game because that's kind of similar, you know, the sort of the, the hero quest mm -hmm. demographic. Um, yeah. And I, 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 it's like a bridge between hobbies. I totally yeah. could get it. Um, also, a lot of board game players are like, they play through it once or like, there's only so many hours in a board game. You like, you, you play it like five or six times, you get your 20 hours out of it or whatever, and then you're done with it. You get new board games. Yeah. Um, or you never open it and you just put it on a shelf because you're like alien. You have yeah. your shelf full of alien. Stuff. Um, and there are some people who would definitely get, like, if you are the kind of person who likes painting minis and you really like the aliens, like, you know the xenomorphs and the mermaids mm -hmm. and stuff like that these are high quality minis um so you could definitely paint them um and they would look really cool like the power loader i kind of want to see what the mini looks like if there's a way to get just the power loader like ripley and the power loader um uh, i might want to get that just to paint that myself because yeah i think also having the sorry having the final product might also be a little more interesting because this was like demos that like you said the minis were really good mm -hmm. but everything else was printed on like printer paper yeah yeah, that's true. Um, um, it wasn't and like, Gale Force Nine did. Uh, sorry to bring it up, Star Trek Ascendancy, the board game, which <laughs> has like beautiful printing on like really nice cardboard and card stocks. I'm sure the actual final print of the game might offer a little bit of heft mm -hmm. to it. That kind of yeah, it's kind of felt cheap at times, but it's yeah. a demo, so it's not their yeah. fault. Well, I mean, we did have to pay two bucks to play it, uh, but you know, you're a goddamn right. I hate it again. <laughs> 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 i could have bought half a water with that money yeah yeah well i could have uh, gotten two-thirds of a cold brew from the vending machine <laughs> <laughs> yeah they did have cold brew there for three dollars um a three dollar cold brew that's a steal i mean it was it really was it did sell it was like a six ounce jar at a convention <laughs> yeah that's a steal yeah it was yeah uh better than the four dollar you know sodas um 
So, uh, yeah, that was fun. Uh, but speaking of sci-fi horror, uh, uh, Burke and I both picked up uh, Mothership, the horror role-playing game, uh, along yep. with the supplement Dead Planet, and they did have an adventure mm-hmm. for it. Um, also, uh, coincidentally, I ran a, a scenario of Mothership last night. It was my own scenario, uh, but mm-hmm. I ran it for RPG Actual Play. I'll have that up at some point in the near future. Um, so I had a lot so of fun with it. based on the name, yeah. is Mothership just like XCOM? Uh no, it's it's aliens with the serial number. It's five. alien. Yeah. yeah. Damn it. Yeah. Was so close. You could do XCOM with it though. It, it, you could 100 yeah. do XCOM in Yeah. It, no it, problem. Like there are four. It's a. It's very much almost like a. It's not quite old school Renaissance, but it is kind of that zine aesthetic that a lot of OSR games have. Uh, it's actually printed on as a zine. Uh, it's like a 40 page mm-hmm. little uh, uh thing, which I really like. Um, and but full color. Uh, yeah. This is the craft brew version of, of RPGs, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. No, the the free scenario they're giving out at the convention was literally a trifold pamphlet. Yeah. Amazing. Uh, like, yeah. Uh, and yeah. No, they do. There's a lot of interesting like graphic design uh, choices that they make. It's a very concisely written RPG uh, mm-hmm. to where it has a fairly complex system. Um, and but they do it in a very small number of pages, and there's almost no setting information in in the. Uh, the main book so you can graft onto whatever setting you want so if you want to run any kind of sci-fi horror that is not a eclipse phase level weird technology like any 80s or 90s uh basically most sci-fi horror movies this is the perfect game to run it in because you don't like in eclipse phase you have crazy nanotechnology and forking and egos which makes it a little harder to do alien be like okay well, well the alien ate me forking this is a family show <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. this is my christian mm-hmm. minecraft server ross <laughs> Uh, so um yeah so i'll get into it but uh, burke what are your thoughts on the system since you read it too i've read it but i have not run it um i like it it's right up my alley where space horror is my like merry aesthetic Mm -hmm. my favorite genre of stuff um i think my main issue with it is that while it is really small and rules light it still has the same problem where i think there's way too many pages dedicated to combat like Mm -hmm. all rpgs have this problem where no matter what, they feel like they have to be over, over simulate combat for no reason. Mm-hmm. Like you can't be like shoot each other and that's it. Mm-hmm. There has to be tons of, of sub rules and subsystems. Yeah. Um, I think it's a lot of really cool stuff. I think like stuff for like generating ships is really cool. Yeah. Um, even outside of mothership, like if you were doing Santa Claus phase game, you just need like an adrift ship. Mm-hmm. You could throw one together very quick. So it's a lot of utilities um, like that. Yeah, I have not read Dead Planet yet, so I don't have any um, insight to that. Yeah, um, Dead Planet also has a derelict ship generator uh, where you roll a bunch of d6s and make a shape out of it, and then um, you there's charts you can refer to, like you you took this five and that, that represents like a cargo hold, mm-hmm. and this one represents the command bridge. Oh, that and, isn't Dead Planet. Okay, yeah, yeah. maybe I have skimmed it because well, I do there, remember that. That's the yeah, part of uh, Mothership does have a systems and ship to ship combat rules and a way to generate the player mm-hmm. characters spaceship, um, so you could have your own you know, Nostromo or whatever. Uh, yeah, so uh definitely the the basic it's a basic it seems like uh, what i find interesting now is like so many rpgs uh that use percentile systems have basically like eclipse phase did this like 10 years ago like percent or percentiles blackjack rules you know highest without going over for post checks doubles or crits and now like um mothership does it delta green does it uh do does it 
uh i just <laughs> like seeing all these other uh people I, doing i think it's good that it becomes an industry standard because yeah. like when we were playing zvi hunter earlier yeah. like literally i did no prep for it and so like just assuming and being right that doubles were crypts highest without going over like mm-hmm. was good like it's nice like it's nice being able to pick up as, as like a, a mm-hmm. system and like have it be familiar not have to go wait so we crit if our red die is higher than our black die and the market rules a seven wait what <laughs> yeah uh fair enough uh, yeah no i do i do like that um now mothership does have sort of complex uh fear rules uh sanity rules um there's two di- there's yeah. yeah there's a sanity save and and a fear save um sanity save the way i read it is basically for the cosmic horror elements so you only roll that when you know you deal with aliens and weird you know uh Mm -hmm. sci-fi things uh um, fear is for basic like ah i'm being shot at ah my buddy's been blown up in front of me ah the 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 hole's been breached you know and um and but both of them cause stress um and also when you when you actually when you fail a body save or when you fail an armor save you also take stress so it all goes so you don't have a separate mental health thing you just have stress um and starts Mm -hmm. at two and then you just add up and at any time the gm and it's left up to the gm the gm can say make a panic check and when you make a panic check you roll 2d10 and compare it to your current stress and if you roll higher than your stress then you're fine and in fact your stress goes down by one but if you roll lower or equal to your current stress, then you have a panic. Uh, and then you have to make a roll in the panic table. So, um, And the panic table is roll 2d10 and add your current stress. Uh, and the, like the low effects on the panic table are actually beneficial, like laser focus or adrenaline. Um, you know. But if you roll like a 30, you, your character just dies of a heart attack instantly. Um, and so like if you have a stress of 10, theoretically you could... Uh, you have a decent chance of panicking and you have a small chance of dying outright from a panic, but more likely you'll just, uh, you know, some, some bad thing will probably, and, and you're too, you have too much stress to have for good things to happen to your character. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's lots of cool interaction between like stress and fear and the different classes. Yeah. Like what your party composition is. Yeah. So uh, like, and personally, yeah. I really appreciate that. Like that, like we're starting to call it stress and mm-hmm. like, not like sanity anymore because mm-hmm. like I, I think that's one of the problems that horror games has is they try to like roll mental illness into their like sanity mechanics mm-hmm. and like that feels really bad to play. So having it just be like your character is under a lot of stress and trying to deal with it. I, I definitely like that reframing a lot more. I mean, yeah, I mean, mothership isn't perfect in that. Like in terms of the panic table, like you can get permanent phobias uh, if you roll poorly enough on a panic event. But I mean, this is, you know, it's, um movie trope things um yeah i'm looking at dead planet uh not mothership so um but i also think it's a really good um just yeah. in general like one shot or con game mm-hmm. you actually could um, do a campaign game because they do like your characters can actually level up and gain like more resistance to things uh totally um but, I, yeah. I was thinking more from a design standpoint because mm-hmm. it is you know it's very focused in purpose Mm-hmm. Um, but also like a lot of the mechanics and how you make your character is just encoded into the character sheet where that's all a player really needs. 
So you can just hand them a character sheet, and they can make her character and be able to play it just basically from that sheet. Yeah. So like, let's yeah. say, like, I'm a GM who did absolutely no prep, which is definitely not who something would that I would do. Um, like, how long do you think, like, if all I have is the Mothership pamphlet, how long would it would it take me to to get a game up and running? Um, assuming you're good at improving the the actual story. Um, well, of course I am. Yeah. Then, um, I mean, the players can make uh, character classes in like 30 minutes uh, or less um, for the first time and even less. Because basically character classes, roll your stats, um, then it does have four stats, so you roll up 60, 10 for each one. So the average is like 30. Pick a class, there's four classes. Um, then you take note of how your class deals with stress and panic. Uh, then you pick a starting loadout and then you pick skills and you have like between two and four points to spend. Um, and that's it. Um, so like you make your characters very fast and then the, this, you know, the combat system is basically the same percentile opposed system that's in Delta green and eclipse phase. And so it's like, if you're experienced role players, like the GM can roll up a random ship and then you can roll up characters in like 10 minutes and Mm -hmm. just start playing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you're talking hypothetically if you had experienced players who maybe like had a podcast on playing like 10 years. <laughs> right, right, right. And a GM who didn't know prep, not the thing. I mean, I right, did do prep right. for the adventure I ran, but that's because I wanted some spooky elements in it. Sure. Um, so, uh, but one, yeah, one there's also like you, uh, uh, Dead Planet ha- is a pre-built scenario and you can just use that. It's kind of a sandbox thing where your your characters are pulled to the Dead Planet and then like they're trapped there and you have to figure out how to escape. Uh, but there's a bunch of different locations they can go to to try and figure out how this pl- you know, how this thing works. Um, but yeah, it's mm. it's it's definitely. Uh, I I mean, I could see doing a mini campaign with it, um, but like, you're not going to do like a super long year long campaign with this. Um, sure. You know, characters are actually fairly resistant. You know, they have like on average sixty health or so, and weapons do on average like two d ten damage. So okay. it takes several hits. So uh, it kind of feels like stress is is the more of a warrior than exactly your health. Yeah, if you want to, if you want to really like go after the players, hit them up with a high stress because if they have a high enough stress, they can just be one shot uh, by like a really bad panic roll. So mm-hmm. um, that's like combat is not the the way to kill them um, unless they are just being dumb and like attacking things that they shouldn't. Um, but yeah. Uh-huh. I guess that works with the fic- fiction because presumably you're all professionals. Yeah, like I mean, the classes are like uh, teamster, android, scientist, and marine. So you're like you're a professional, like space pilot, uh, you know, an android who's been programmed, a scientist, or a you know, uh, military guy, so military person. So mm-hmm. yeah, there's uh, yeah, you're not like even the even the teamster um, does get like a spe- uh, actually gets a special ability to reroll. Uh, panic. Uh, 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 if they panic, they get to reroll the panic effects table. So um, that's the interesting thing is there's special cascading like effects where like uh, for example, whenever a scientist fails a sanity save, every friendly player gain gains a stress because when the scientist like is freaked out by something alien and cosmic horror, everyone else gets stressed out by it. Um, mm. Whenever uh, whenever anybody's near an android, everyone has to make fear saves with disadvantage. This does have the advantage disadvantage mechanics that Fifth Ed D and D does, but with percentile rolls, percentile rolls. Um, so, um, and then whenever a marine panics, every friendly player nearby must make a fear save. 
so, like, it's interesting that you can have the teamster has a beneficial ab ability, but everyone else has a, a detrimental ability uh, regarding uh, fear and or sanity. Um, well, I mean, if if your if your gun bunny loses their shit in combat, I think that would scare quite a few people. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and I yeah, so I quite like that. Um, it definitely pre presented some scenario like in the actual play that we did, like halfway through the scenarios, like everyone get away, scientists go look at the weird thing by yourself. Everyone get away, like um, because we're I was I was oh everyone gets distressed because you failed your mm -hmm. sanity check. Uh, I, I think this is, would definitely play to, like, um, phase kind of forte, because, like, it turns combat into a role-playing counter at some mm -hmm. point. Uh, yeah. And I think definitely getting a chance to have players have more of an interaction with, like, what their characters think and feel is, is always a good good thing mm -hmm. to do, especially especially in something as boring as combat. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I really like Mothership for what it is. Um, it does exactly what it says of doing sci-fi horror without... Um, you can just pick it up and run whatever you want what within that genre pretty easily. It's also like, again, this zine, which is like very compact. It's, it's, um, not a big book. It's, uh, but yeah, I, I yeah, it was yeah. the only thing I bought at origin. Yeah. Like a backpack. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I feel like I, I'll probably carry this with me to Gen Con just whenever yep. I go on a trip, because like, Hey, you guys want to play an RPG? Cause then I can just have you all make characters quickly and, uh, bullshit some, you know, space monsters to eat your faces. Uh, yep. or I, I did have one question about your game. Mm -hmm. Um, did you find that? So one problem I generally have with like percentile stuff is that you start off with an almost less than 50, 50 chance of doing most things. Do you feel mm -hmm. like, um, the players had a hard time, um, succeeding on actions? No, um, I often okay. hand waved standard actions if they were within the realm of specialty, like road mm -hmm. actions. Um, then if players, if somebody assisted them, I often granted them advantage on a roll. Um, okay. and you know, like you add your stat plus to your skills. So you're rolling like your status average of thir 30 and then you have a plus 10 to a plus 15 on average to whatever. So with advantage, that's not too bad. Um, and if you roll above average on an attribute, then you're rolling that much better. So, um, yeah. It, uh, and also ev everyone seemed to be rolling pretty well last night. So <laughs> it didn't come up that much. Um, they did, huh? Yeah. Uh, yep. So, but I mean, they still, you know, got scared and spooked and, you know, mm -hmm. um, so I think everybody had a good time. Um, but yeah, I, I could certainly, I would definitely be not require too many checks um, of players. Like, cause yeah, your players are going to average like a 40 or so percent on a trained skill. Uh, so keep that in mind. Um, yeah. Uh, but they're also pretty durable. Like, again, you, you can rack up a decent amount of stress before you panic. And you can also take a lot of damage on average uh, before you uh, get killed. So yeah, keep that in mind as well. Cool. Um, yeah. Uh, so let's see. Um, that was the only, yeah, I did also pick up dream, uh, dream askew, dream of heart, um, which I'm quite interested to read next. Since now I finished mothership, I will, I will give you a more detailed review of that in the next episode of RPPR, hopefully. Uh, but I nice. got the hardcover of that because it looked cool and I'd heard good things about it. Um, and so, 
Uh, Bridget, you've actually had some time to read it, so can you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, um, I looked through the the beta rules a lot. Um, I'm really into the concept of it because uh, if you've any if you've played any of the other like Avery Adler games, like mm-hmm. it, it will feel really familiar because it's definitely like a, a cooperative sort of storytelling idea, like um, much like. Uh, quiet year and um ribbon drive like um it's not like there's isn't really a gm um mm-hmm. just everybody plays usually everybody plays a character and then everybody also plays like an environmental mm-hmm. um thing like you, you you play the town or you play the environment or you play the thing we don't know about like um like those are like actual cards and you get to pick them up and like have them and you get to do the actions for that. And then after you do something like um, do a move, you, you put it down or you trade it with somebody or you get something else. So like it, it really involves all players as equal partners in storytelling. And like, mm-hmm. this is my favorite kind of game is where you're not really concerned necessarily about mechanics or rolling dice or doing combat. Like you're more really more like, what are my characters motivations? Um, how do I interact with others? Like, what am I scared of? Um, and like how you deal with those emotions when relating to other people. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's the kind of game I like playing, but also like it's, it's super, super gay. Like this is my favorite <laughs> part about it. Like character creation is like the most interesting thing uh, that I've ever seen. Um, there, there's a section on like your gender presentation and like it doesn't ask you like are you playing a male are you playing a female like it gives you like several options or suggestions for each character um one of them is is dagger daddy which is the tightest shit i've ever heard in my life um mm-hmm. uh and they kind of go out from there there's like like um razor fom or something like that like so like i i really appreciate like really being able to dig into like interesting characters mm-hmm. and then like just like um hang out with your friends and explore stories like mm-hmm. that's my favorite kind of game like i'm super excited for dream askew cool um yeah i need to get the pdf from uh, uh i bought that from indie press revolution i need to uh, email them now that i think about it to get the pdf um uh, but yeah i will uh be reading that next now that i've uh, uh run uh mothership so uh because i've i've come to the realization i keep buying all these rpgs and then i don't fully read them so i should I should read them all. Um, sorry, with I should read them all. Ross says, looking at a small pile forming behind him. <laughs> it's small. Yes. Read my book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was. Uh, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Um, but uh, Burke and I also did get to play some RPGs uh, while we were there. Yep. Yep. Um, notably, uh, I ran Ruin, um, and yes. uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. we will have that playtest on the RPPR Patreon uh the beginning of july um and i thought it went well i've sort of made some um additions some improvements to character generation mm-hmm. uh we had five players so we had a lot of character generation to it was go a through. long character generation it was like an hour but, of character uh, generation but like i think people were getting into their characters pretty quickly uh yeah. because they had that because i had to play a, my <laughs> yeah uh what was it uh, uh hauntology struggling ha- i was yeah. a struggling hauntology blogger yeah so you know um yeah, well, I, I mean, it, it's no uh, a veteran free porn artist, but <laughs> no, uh, but it did yeah. make everybody at the table go like, what the fuck is hauntology? <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, it was pretty cool. Um, so, yeah, I already have more ideas. For it. Um, 
I think I'm going to add a new section to Ruin that is going to be an endless convention uh, hotel uh, or an endless convention, con- you know, convention center. Uh, it's just like vast rooms with thousands of chairs laid out and, you know, voices. The back rooms at Gen Con. Yeah, basically. Uh, yeah. Just an endless labyrinth of those. Uh, endless tunnels of Lucas Oil Stadium or whatever. <laughs> oh, God, no. <laughs> Something like that. Um so, but we also got to play uh, Black Death, the Red Markets hack from Ethan Cordry uh, from uh, Tech Difficulty. Or is yep. He, uh, yeah. So, <laughs> yep. Um, so we talked a little bit about this on the other podcast, but uh, yeah, what 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 did you think? Um, I think it worked fine. So I think it was, um, yeah, I've talked before, Red Markets one-shots are always a little weird because you have no consequences. Yeah. Part of the point of the game. Um I generally like Black Death because I think it's one of the few um, red market hacks that made sense because it still involved scarcity and stuff. Like you see a lot of a lot of hack discussion that doesn't mm-hmm. really match the mechanical point of the system. Yeah, I think this one does. Um, I got to play an Icelandic dude who couldn't talk to the rest of the party. That was fun. <laughs> yeah, um, that's for you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically. Um, I thought it was fun. Um, there, there's some stuff that, you know, it's a play test. So I think it's still evolving. Yeah. But the, it, was, it was playable. Yeah. Uh, yeah, certainly, certainly very. F- I, I, had, I had a good time playing. I was playing a monk who was bad at melee. And it turned out the way we just chose to resolve the scenario was very combat focused. Uh, mm-hmm. We did have the our social negotiator, uh, Khan, his way in. Uh, uh, to open the door to let us in, and then we just it just had to get to stabbing, stabbing and shooting. Mm. Um, and I wound up using like with my one point of melee skill, trying to stab a dude repeatedly, and uh, actually yeah. getting gassed in a game, which was pretty funny. Uh, we'll have that actual play up on RPPR at some point as well. But um, mechanically, I do like Ethan not making it. 100% different from the base system because like sometimes some of these conversions change so much about the original system that like mm-hmm. it's basically a new game and it's like why did why didn't you just make yeah. it a new game so. the only the only difference was really that you just roll damage separately instead of getting it from your your attack um well the two well no there were two things one was the uh, okay. the melee specialization which your character could do cuz you yeah, had spear true. you know you had advanced melee weapon fighting techniques uh, right, but then the other thing was piety and chivalry, which we didn't get to do a whole lot because we weren't often doing much in the way of social stuff. Uh, yeah, but like I had like having that as a big societal thing, like your and it's your character's perceived piety or chivalry, not your actual inherent thing. It's just like everyone thinks you're really mm-hmm. chivalrous, so therefore you get to have this this chivalry thing, which is now your new social skill, so you can. Or your piety be like, oh well, everyone that's a very pious person, so everyone has to respect that. But you have to start keep tithing to the church more in order to maintain that piety. So um, yeah, and yeah. I think some of the other big changes um, we didn't get to use in this scenario because I know there's gonna be like combat type of stuff, mm-hmm. but we didn't get into that in yeah. this game. So I think the melee differences were the only really ones I got to uh, play around with. Yeah, I think I made piety rolls once or twice. Uh, but okay. that was about it. Um, but I like. Have, I would like. To, I, I. I'm eager to see what Ethan writes up for the full piety and chivalry rules. Um, oh, actually, there was one other game we played that Ethan ran. Uh, that storytelling game. What could go wrong? Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, 
an older game. Yeah, that's like a 200 word RPG. Uh, and that's just a little heist storytelling game where you tell it like, oh, I'm oh gonna- I thought it was about Aaron. <laughs> hey, it, uh, it's not. It, it's not not about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it's quite fun. I'll try and find the link to that if Ethan's posted that somewhere publicly. Um, I think so. Yeah. So I'll I'll ask him. But it's it's a it's a fun little game. We just did an hour before we went to the airport. So yeah, we're just uh, in a North Market and just yeah. played. Um, uh, it's in that genre of like party games where there's no, not really any rules. You know, it's yeah. like the rules are three sentences. Yeah, yeah. Um, a very yeah. It's just a storytelling game. You just take turns, yeah. like, building on a story, um, and then roll a dice to see if it's a good event or a bad event, uh, that kind of thing. So, uh, yeah, uh, I quite liked it. Um, so yeah. Um, but yeah, overall, I really like Origins. Uh, Origins is certainly worth worth going to if you're just interested in RPGs because there's still a lot of RPGs there. Um, you can kind of mm-hmm. ignore all the board game stuff. Um, and you know, they, if you want to do true dungeon, it's like 20 bucks cheaper there and a lot easier to get in <laughs> than at, uh, fucking Gen Con. Um, I think that's like a good general motto origins. It's a bunch cheaper than Gen Con. And yeah. And to get in it's only 20,000 people. It's not, you know, 70,000 yeah. people. So, yep. um, it's crowd. It, there's a lot of people, but it's not like, um, <laughs> overwhelming, uh, so, yeah, I mean, whenever we wanted to record anything, we could just walk up to the press room. Yeah, just... uh, yeah. Big shout out to the Origins uh, press room office. Uh, thank you for letting us uh, record there. Uh, thank you for having that up there in the first place. Uh, that was uh, very, uh, was very cool. Uh, yeah, as as a personal preference thing, like um, whenever con games happen, like uh, it's very difficult for me to listen to them. The the background noise is, is very distracting. It is. Yeah. It is kind of the eternal struggle of con games. Uh, every you can get access to people who aren't there, uh, who aren't who are hard to get together to you know play a game with, uh, but <laughs> you have to do it when there's you know fucking everyone around you. There's thousands of people around you, so mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. it's <sighs> it's a bit annoying. Uh, at yeah, times. at least at Gen Con, you know, you could dip back to a hotel or something. yeah. Mm-hmm. that's true um, um so yeah yeah i i'm sure i'm sure logistically it will always work out this way but the more games you can record in a hotel room the better yeah 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 agreed and certainly if you can get like a conference room or whatever to like some some place where it is quiet um the better off you are um yeah so um yeah that kind of wraps up origins 2019 again if you want to hear about the board games uh go to the other podcasts uh because <laughs> no need to repeat what they uh talked in their excellent Not board game yeah public radio well we have nothing against board games there's no need to repeat <laughs> I, I know <laughs> okay <laughs> um yeah but before we go um uh, bridget do you have anything you'd like to uh talk about or plug um every single time i plug cry um if you want to follow at cry novel on twitter you can get updates to our visual novel it's basically what if supernatural was interesting uh what if buffy had good writers like that kind of thing um we're i say this every time that that we're really close to releasing the first episode but I, i legit mean it like i've seen about half of the first episode i actually put into the engine and i gotta play through it and see it with all the music we got commissioned and, and all the, the wonderful art that Nana did. Um, I'm really, really excited. So like by the time you're hearing this, I'm sure you can follow our Twitter and it will be a few days from now. We will be able to get it out. Hopefully. So please, please look forward to it. 
Yeah. Do it. Uh, yeah. yeah, I'm looking forward to it as well. As obviously when it comes out, we'll definitely be talking about it on RPPR. Uh, probably have a game design workshop so we can talk to you and Faye about the process of writing a visual novel uh, because that sounds quite interesting. And uh, yeah. So uh, I, I can show it to you in visual format. It's that meme where it's like lay down, try not to cry, cry a whole lot. <laughs> oh no. Uh, <laughs> so yeah. Um, I think that's about it for uh, RPPR for this episode. Uh, we uh, of course check out the RPPR Patreon for more uh, bonus podcasts. Again, questing for answers, uh, online games, um, after hours and a lot more uh we're doing also rppr illustrated with uh best of of rppr cast members uh we've already done uh some of the best moments of uh aaron in games and uh very soon we'll have the best of tom in various games uh and who will be next who knows uh, yeah for just a couple bucks a month donating to the rppr patreon you get access to tons and tons and tons of content mm-hmm. so if like the regular re- releases to the free site are not doing it for you like definitely consider pledging to the patreon because mm-hmm. um, i think even the the lower levels you get access to a lot of content mm-hmm. and okay. if you think hey maybe i would like to play a tabletop role-playing game but it's so hard to get a group together like i really recommend <laughs> playing in the um um the the patron games uh mm-hmm. it's ten dollar the ten dollar month level yep. i want to say mm-hmm. um we get four gms a month um to try and run four games a month so you get you get ross sometimes you get aaron sometimes you get me um and we run really really good run shots i promise you'll have a good time yeah um yeah thanks all right uh well that's it for our ppr episode 167 uh we'll talk to you all next time bye bye everybody
Yeah.